The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, I'm joined uh, from Paris by Lara Marlowe. Lara, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, we were talking with uh, the uh, French ambassador to Ireland on Friday about uh, Bastille Day. Did it go off without incident? Uh, pretty much. There were a few cars burned and a few arrests, but compared to the fears, um, there was a sort of phobia, panic kind of fitting in the run-up to Bastille Day. Um, but it must be said that the, the state deployed 130,000 gendarmes and police across the country to prevent violence, and it worked. I mean, I, I was out and about on Bastille Day, and it's quite shocking to see um, men in camouflage uniforms with assault rifles at, at uh, traffic intersections and military vehicles around the city. It was, it was a very strange feeling, but that's how they achieved a more or less non-violent Bastille Day. And uh, when will President Macron give his uh, now delayed Bastille Day interview? We don't know yet. He's due to go to the South Pacific very soon, and there are rumors he may do it before he goes. Um, He had promised in April, you remember there were earlier riots over pension reform, and he said he would reestablish calm, a hundred days of calm, unity, ambition, and action in the service of France. Uh, But instead of calm, ambition, and action, we had um, nearly a week of of terrible riots, the worst uh, in living memory. Uh, so I think he doesn't want to be challenged by that. Uh, uh, he doesn't want to be challenged about that by an interviewer, um, which may be why he's delayed his interview. Now, you've been writing about the rioters and of the 3,600 people detained, 1,149 were minors and some of them as young as 10 or 11 years of age. So things are going wrong for these kids very early in their lives. That's right. Um, they're consigned to these immigrant banlieues, which are ghettos, really. Uh, they have examples of their older brothers. Uh, and also, many in many cases, they have single mothers um, or the fathers are absent. The parents are just unable to cope. Uh, the parents have been brought up in the same way, in the same condition. Uh, this has been going on for two, three, four generations in most cases now. And a lot of them drop out of school when towards the age of 14, 15, 16. Um, and then they get drawn into drug trafficking, first as lookouts and then as dealers themselves. And that, of course, puts them in conflict with the police. Um, the police do innumerable identity checks uh, as that's the way of fighting the drug trafficking. And so these young people see the police as enemies <clears throat> and the, sooner or later it explodes and we see riots like the, those we saw earlier this month. And they are prepared to destroy, if you like, their own environment because in a sense, uh, even though they might be second or even third generation migrant families, they feel in some way they don't belong to France. Exactly. And they don't exactly. belong either to Algeria or Tunisia or Morocco either. They are a lost generation. Exactly, exactly. Um, the, I was very struck. I interviewed uh, a teacher from the banlieue, a young French woman who's very devoted and, and you know, works in amazing, amazingly difficult circumstances. And she, one thing that really struck me is she takes her students on field trips into central Paris and she says they're just astonished. They're, you know, the mouths hanging open and they just say, wow, look at this building, look at this street. Can you believe it? And they feel excluded from this beauty and prosperity. And, and they feel that it's 
it will never be accessible to them. So it creates a great frustration and a, a willingness to to destroy things. And um, if you feel totally hopeless as a school dropout in your mid-teens, um, this is the sort of thing you do. Now, um, the, the teacher you spoke to, Ophelie Roque, she thinks that schools are part of the solution as well as maybe currently being part of the problem because there's almost lawlessness in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a lot of good ideas about how things could be improved. And I hope that, that President Macron will listen to people like her because he says he wants to understand what happened and why. Um, she has one class this coming year that will have 42 students in it. She says that's just too big a class. The other problem is that it's very, very diff- It's almost impossible to expel a student. And you have uh, young teenage boys in particular who are extremely violent. She's had a student who pu- pulled out the hair of his classmates, who was, who was going around hitting other classmates. And this went on for years and years and years. Another one who, who throws chairs and, and knocks over chairs all the time. And she said it, it just takes two or three kids like this in a class of, say, 30 uh, to just destroy it for everybody. Um, interestingly enough, I, I got readers' letters in response to my, my piece that was in Saturday's Irish Times, uh, one from a man in Dublin whose son teaches in West Dublin. And he said, my son could have written that article. It's exactly the same phenomena. He said he didn't think it was a racial problem. He thought it was more a problem of social class that, that we've created an, an underclass. Um, the other message I had was from um, an Irish-American in Philadelphia who said that his wife had taught in West Philadelphia and they had exactly the same kind of problems. So it's, it's something that goes beyond France, but it's particularly acute in France because the colonial history has not really been debated, uh, especially in these schools. And, and because also these children are, are sort of torn between Islam as it's taught at home and secularism, which they're being taught in school, and, and they've, they've lost their bearings. They don't really know, um, you know, how, how to behave. Uh, so, and, and they also have this desire for revenge. Um, they feel that they're colonialized people, even though they have French citizenship. And they tell their teachers, we are colonizing you. We are wave. We are numerically superior. And this, of course, you'll recognize as the discourse of the extreme right. And it, it seems very ironic to me that this has been adopted by these mm. these teenagers. Um, th- this teacher that you spoke to, uh, Ophelie, she uh, sounds like a wonderful person uh, in terms of understanding the children and also sharing her experience of them. She talks about um, a girl who said, I'd, I want to be in your class next year, even though obviously she would move on to another uh, teacher in the next year. And uh, the teacher asks her, why? You're always arguing with me. And she said, at home, no one talks to me. Yeah. Um, Telephones are a big problem. Uh, The kids themselves are on their phones all the time. They spend hours and hours and hours looking at TikTok and and, uh, Instagram and looking at profiles of really rich people in America, in the Persian Gulf. And it creates this, this... 
desire, this craving for consumer goods, which they cannot satisfy. And that, that too contributes to it. But you're right. Ophélie Roque is an amazing person. Um, uh, one of my readers wrote and said, if, if only we could clone her. She's very dedicated. All of this for a, a net salary of 1,900 euro a month. You, you, you kind of wonder why she does it. And, and the state isn't helping. I mean, she, she was telling me that in the public schools, um, the, many of the teachers are put on three month contracts so that the government will have to give them paid holidays. Uh, and they never know each time their contract has ended if they'll get another one. And they're also, um, there's overcrowding. Uh, there, there's a special program for, um, handicapped children, for, for children with disabilities like uh, autism or, or psychiatric problems. And they, they, but the state only admits there's 50,000 of these students. And she says, in fact, there's about 400,000 of them. And they're just put in classes with, with, um, with all the other children. And it, it bring it, she said to save some of the children, you, you have to sacrifice some of them and you need special institutions. And this is another huge problem. Now, President Macron has said we must be able to punish the families financially uh, from the first infraction. Uh, in other words, the parents are responsible for the carry-on of their uh, kids. But mm. th- the problem there is, you know, they've no money anyway, or not much money, perhaps only social welfare. And what happens if you take that off them? Exactly, exactly. I mean, she actually had one student, an, an African boy whose mother, single mother, was a cleaning lady, and he and he kept fainting in class, and he was found to be malnourished, and his mother wasn't paying for him and his sister to go to the canteen, so they were getting only one meal a day, which isn't enough for a growing teenager. Uh, the school then agreed to to pay the canteen for him and his sister, and she said she's had she had another student who was falling asleep all the time. And it turned out he was working at night at the Pizza Hut because illegally, of course, his mother was a drug addict and he was supporting his brothers and sisters. So when, when you look at the, the, the root causes of some of this behavior, it becomes much more understandable. And she has a, a great deal of empathy for these students and really wants to help mm-hmm. them. And she said that if you have an unruly class, she said, sometimes I know that only two or three students in, in a class of 30 are listening to me and are absorbing anything I'm saying. But she says it's worth doing just for those two or three students. Yeah. Do you think that there's any awareness in French government that uh, literally pouring money into the education yeah. system is part of the solution? Um, I'm not sure that pouring money is actually the, the solution. I mean, they, they've Well, paying spent teachers ten- properly and contracting oh, yeah, them yeah, properly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Exactly. The future of France is in the hands of these teachers, and they feel unappreciated um, and and ill-treated. I I think it really needs education, education, education. That's the answer. And it's not just book book learning that they need. I mean, if you're a a child from the banlieue, um, you're marked by the way you dress, by your manners, by your accents. Um, they, they need to, to be taught how to survive in mainstream French society. And France also needs desperately, I believe, affirmative action. They need quotas. Now, I know that the U.S. is moving away from this, that the, the, uh, Supreme Court in the U.S. has just, um, reversed, uh, affirmative action in universities in the U.S., but I don't see how else France will ever get there. Um, and they also really have to end 
housing segregation. They have to stop building low-income housing solely in these these suburbs on the outskirts of cities. Um, and, there, and there's some progress being made in that, but it's not. It's too little, too late in many ways. Lara Marlowe in Paris. Thank you very much for uh, joining us.